0: Today, the whole world is celebrating the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost. Today is the day of Pentecost. And if you remember, the day of Pentecost was marked by the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, just come with me to Acts chapter 2 verse 1. I'll just speak a little bit about the day of Pentecost and then move to my message. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all... Together in one place. Say with me, all together. When the day of Pentecost arrived, everybody was together. Oh man, there is power when people come together. Something happens when people come together in one place. Okay, so if you are in and around Delhi and you're listening to my voice through YouTube and online, you know, I'm telling you, you should go to church. If you're part of Lighthouse, you should come to Lighthouse. Come to church because there's something that, there's something that happens when everybody comes together in one place. Now, if you understand something, the day of Pentecost was ten days after Jesus got ascended. Jesus was ascending, and after that, ten days later, the day of Pentecost came. And when the day of Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit came. Now, see what what Jesus said. You know, if you if you go back to the previous chapter, Acts chapter one was four to five says. Jesus, this is Jesus. He says, and while staying with them, he ordered them, ordered, it was not a suggestion. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Look at this. When Jesus is telling them not to leave Jerusalem, he does not give them a timeline. He does not say, stay in Jerusalem for 10 days. He just says, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. It was like an indefinite wait. How long should you wait for? As long as the Holy Spirit comes. You wait till the Holy Spirit comes. Somewhere we put deadlines in our minds, putting deadlines on the promises of God, where God asked you to obey. Just obey. Don't put deadlines, timelines. See, 10 days, 10 days they were waiting on the Lord. 10 days, think about it. 10 days they were waiting on the Lord. It's not a simple, simple thing. Do you know, for the Israelites who just got delivered out of Egypt to move into their promised land, the journey required 10 days. Because of disobedience, they were stuck in the wilderness for the next 40 years. And I pray that this will not happen to you, that because of your disobedience, what should take 10 days will take 40 years. These disciples, they obeyed God, obeyed Jesus and stayed there. And for 10 days, they stayed there. They were waiting and praying. Do you know, do you know that it was not a very... When the Holy Spirit came, it didn't, He didn't come in a convenient time. In fact, if you read Acts chapter 2, He came at least before 9 a.m., We know that for sure. How do I know that? Oh, let me show you. Acts chapter 2 verse 15. If you have your Bible, Acts chapter 2 verse 15. For these people are not drunk, this is Peter who says, for these people are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. The third hour of the day is 9 o'clock. That means by 9 o'clock, way before 9 o'clock, the Holy Spirit came and all of this is happening. There's a huge commotion in the city. So think about these disciples who were waiting for 10 days. They, they did not wake up at 10 o'clock and start praying. They were waking much earlier. They were in expectation. Why? Because Jesus had commanded them to do something. So if Jesus commands you to do something, be expectant. Be expectant. Because one that, that one promise that you receive from the Lord is enough to change the course of your life's history. To change the course of your direction. That one promise. So I want you to understand. These people were in Jerusalem. They were waiting for 10 days. And they were waiting in prayer. They gathered together. They were waiting in prayer. Devoted themselves to prayer. Devoted themselves to prayer. Why? Because Jesus had said something. For 10 days. And then on the day of Pentecost. What happens? The Holy Spirit comes. So come with me. Acts chapter 2 verse 2. And suddenly, say with me: Suddenly, if you obey the words of Jesus and you stay there without putting a deadline, without putting terms and conditions onto the promise of Jesus, suddenly your life will change. Suddenly, suddenly, he is never late; he is always on time. Suddenly, and suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So much that it will happen suddenly and it will change the entire atmosphere. Your entire life will change. The place that you're living, the circumstances, everything will change. Everything will align to the reality because God has come. I want to speak prophetically for some of you. For the Lord has given you certain promises in your life and you're waiting for it. It hasn't happened. I'm saying as you wait on the Lord, suddenly... Suddenly, suddenly the Holy Spirit comes and fills the room. He doesn't come subtly. He comes with a bang. He comes with a loud noise, making himself known. But it all requires on your obedience of waiting, waiting. If he has promised, he will will fulfill it. He will fulfill it. Verse 3, And divided tongues... As a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, for the first time in history, Holy Spirit has come not just to be upon people, but it has come to dwell inside people. Because one thing about dwelling, indwelling of the Holy Spirit is, once the Holy Spirit, you have received the seal of the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit does not leave you. You're not listening to this. Oh man. When you heard the gospel and you received the seal of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does not leave you until the day of redemption. Meaning, until you are perfected and conformed to the image of Christ, the Holy Spirit does not leave you. He is the guarantee that God is working in you and He will not leave you. That's why Philippians 1 verse 6 says, I know, this is the confidence that we have, that He who began a good work in you. Who began a good work? Jesus, God began a good work. We didn't begin the good work. we just responding. To the good work. He who began a good work, he will perfect it. He will perfect it. It is his job to perfect it. If he began, he will perfect it. If he began, then he will sustain it. He will sustain it. Amen? Amen. Come on, I want to show you something. Today, my topic is blessed for more. How many of you want to be blessed for more? Not a lot of excitement today, but Lord, I'll receive all their blessings. Blessed for more. Amen. Come on. Uh, Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 27. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. What's the first thing God did after creating man? He blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Can I tell you this? It's the blessing of God, it's the blessing of God that creates the avenue for you to become fruitful and multiply. Being fruitful and multiplying are blessings, are blessings of the blessing. There's one blessing which produces multiple blessings in your life. The blessing of prosperity, the blessing of peace, the blessing of joy is the fruit of this one blessing. This one blessing. That's why God blessed them and then He said, be fruitful, be multiplied. Why? Because in the blessing that He blessed them has the potential to be fruitful and to multiply. It's not something that you're doing by your own self-effort. Oh, you know, I need to be fruitful, I need to multiply. It's the blessing of the Lord that works in you to be fruitful and to be multiplied. So you need the blessing of God. Say with me: the blessing of God. The blessing of God is the cause of the blessings. The blessing of God is the cause of the blessings. Deuteronomy twenty-eight. We we declared Deuteronomy twenty-eight so many times, and if, if you if you know. The first two verses it says, And if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord and hearken to His voice, you, you shall be lifted up far above all the nations of the earth. And the blessings of the Lord shall come upon you and overtake you. So before the blessings come and overtake you, there's a blessing to be lifted up. You have Your position has to change. Your position has to change from an inferior reality to a superior reality. When your position changes, when you are transplanted from an inferior reality to a superior reality, the blessings start to overflow in your life. It starts overtaking you. It starts to overtake in your life. So, the blessing of the Lord is something that you have to understand. It's something very different from financial blessing. Financial blessing is the fruit of the blessing. Peace is the fruit of the blessing. Restoration in relationships, healthy relationships, healthy body, healthy life, divine health, all of that is the fruit of the blessing. What you need today is not these things. You need the blessing because if you have the blessing, you will have the fruit of these blessings. Okay? Are you with me? I want you to understand what is this blessing. Come with me Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Why did Christ have to become a curse for us? Why? Because The blessing that Adam had, he lost that blessing in the Garden of Eden. You understand what happened? In the Garden of Eden, when he disobeyed God, when he ate from the knowledge of good and evil, the moment he did that, God said, now you have opened the door to curses. You have positioned yourself from blessing to curses. And that's why, by the sweat of your brow, you shall eat because thorns and thistles have come just imagine just imagine a life where you're working hard day in and day out and all the fruit that you see thorns and thistles it's a cursed life but that is not what god intended for adam what god intended for adam was the garden lush lushful abundant fruits without sweat that's what that is what god intends for you to For you to have a life that that has no toil in it. And Peter was toiling all night. That's not your life. Your life should not include toiling. Toiling is not a blessing. Toiling is a curse. Work is a blessing. One word from Jesus changed Peter's destiny. From toiling to preaching the gospel. What you need is one word from the Lord. One word. One word. So Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The door that Adam opened to, opened to the doors of curses, Christ redeemed us by becoming a curse for us. He became a curse for us. Why? So that we could have the blessing. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law so that we could have the blessing. Now come with me. Galatians chapter 3 verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham. How, how many blessings does it talk about? One. The blessing. You understand, you understand what I'm trying to tell you? The blessing is all that you need. The blessing will produce Blessings. The thing is, what we are praying for is the blessings. We are praying for financial increase. We are praying for restoration. We are praying for peace. We are praying for relationship. All that is the blessings. But that is just the fruit of the blessing. What you need is the blessing. If you have the blessing, the fruit of the blessings will come. What does it say? So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. How many Gentiles here say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Are you a Gentile? If, if you are not born from the lineage of Abraham, then you're a Gentile, you know? So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. What is the blessing of Abraham? What is the blessing of Abraham? The blessing of Abraham is the promised spirit. When God blessed Adam and Eve, that blessing is the person of the Holy Spirit. Do you know in Genesis chapter 28, Jacob is blessing, sorry, Isaac is blessing Jacob, right? And he makes this prayer. He says, I pray that the blessing of Abraham will come upon you and you will take possession of the land. So we understand from the Old Testament that the blessing of Abraham gave power to these patriarchs to take possession of lands. But that is still the fruit of the blessing. The blessing, the source of that blessing, the blessing that you need is the promised Holy Spirit. If you have the promised Holy Spirit, oh my goodness, you can have all the fruits of that blessing. Deuteronomy 28, and the Lord shall lift you up. Why is He lifting you up? How can you be lifted up? You are lifted up in the Holy Spirit. When you are lifted up, all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. The blessing is the Holy Spirit. Say with me, the Holy Spirit is the biggest blessing that I need and the only blessing that I need. Because if I have the blessing, I have all the blessings. Don't run after these complimentary things when you can have the substance. The blessing of God is the promised Holy Spirit. And that is why the day of Pentecost is is important because on that day, the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind and suddenly everything changed because the blessing has come upon the people of God. Anything that you're fighting for, anything that you're aiming for, anything that you are longing for is in that blessing. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Even when you don't see it in the physical, thank God for the blessing because you are already blessed in the person of Jesus who is the promised Holy Spirit. You are blessed. You are blessed. That's why. Romans 8, Paul says, if God did not withhold his own son, how graciously will he give us all things. With Jesus, you receive all things. With the Holy Spirit, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing with all things. You don't need a financial breakthrough. You don't need debt cancellation. What you need is the blessing that will give you the financial breakthrough. You are blessed. You are blessed. The Holy Spirit is the blessing. If you get this revelation that the Holy Spirit is the gift of God from heaven to your life and He is the only thing that you need, everything in your life can change. What do you need? You need financial breakthrough what you need is the Holy Spirit. What you need, restoration. When you need restoration in the family, actually what you need is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the promised blessing. He is the promised blessing. So how many of you are blessed? You're blessed. Why are you blessed? Because you have the promised Holy Spirit. Now here's the thing. Many of us are blessed, but we don't know how to access the blessing. It's like each one of you have a, has a bank account and you have lots of money in the bank account, but you don't know how to access the bank account. What's the point of having a bank account that has a lot of money, but you're not able to make a withdrawal? So I'm going to teach you how to make a withdrawal. See, <laughs> Yes. Uh, When you have money in the bank account, what do you do? You have to make a demand to the bank that I need my money. And you have to make a withdrawal. If you don't make a demand, the money will always be there and you will die poor. Don't die spiritually poor. Don't die physically poor. When you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. So, so the problem is not that we haven't received the blessings from God. We have received the blessings from God. But the problem is we don't know how to access them. We don't know how to access them. So in times of anxiety, we don't know how to access God's peace. In times of worries, we don't know how to access God's joy. In times of sickness, we don't know how to access God's divine health. But if we can learn on how to access it, we can walk in the life of Jesus. Jesus said, John 10.10, I came to give you life and life abundant. So life abundant is your portion. Let me tell tell you this, toiling is not your portion. Life abundant, stress-free life is your portion. Toiling is not your portion. So, what requires is, you don't require more blessings. You have the blessing. What you require is how to walk in that blessing. How to? Walk in that blessing. You have to be trained to walk in the blessing. Say with me, trained to walk in the blessing. Do you know that a king who is born in the palace, has to be trained to walk like a king. He has to be trained in the ways of a king. Otherwise, even though he's a king, he has the DNA of a king, he he still does not know things. There, There is proper training done, how he should be seated, how he should talk, how his words should be, how he should you know, how he should deal with people. There's training given in every aspect of his life so that he can walk like a king. So each one of us are the children of God. We are all sons and daughters of God, but we need training. Say with me, training. Training. How do you get trained? How does a king get trained? He gets admitted to the school of kings you are admitted to the school of kings and queens. <laughs> you need training. You have the DNA of the king, but right now what you need is training. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God. It has the breath of God. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for... Training. Do you see the word training there? Scripture is how you get trained. Scripture is how you get trained. And it is in training that you are able to access the blessing that God has blessed you with. You require scriptures to train yourself and it is in the training that you learn how to access that blessing. Who is the blessing? The Holy Spirit. And in the Holy Spirit, you have everything. Okay? Now, I I just want to take three verses from Psalms. It's one of my favorite verses. And I want to train you. Train you to walk in the blessing. What's the agenda? To train you to walk in the blessing. So turn with me to Psalms chapter 1. Just the first three verses, Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Do you know what's the definition of blessed? A blessed person? A blessed person is somebody who is happy, who is fortunate who is prosperous, and who is envious. So if you can't handle the fear of envy, then you're not called to be a blessed person. Because if you are blessed, people will envy you. If you are blessed, people will envy you. If you can't handle the fear of being envied upon, you're not called to be a blessed person. Lord, give me that blessing. Okay, who is a blessed person? Who is happy, who is fortunate, who is prosperous, who is envied upon. Now, here the psalmist says, Blessed is a man who walks not, who walks not, who walks not, stands not, sits not. Walks not, stands not, sits not. Begins with, walks not, walks not in the counsel of the wicked. What is he trying to say? one thing that you should avoid in your life for the blessing to overflow. If you want the blessing that the Lord has blessed you for it to overflow in your life, one thing that you should avoid is don't get influenced by the world. You are in the world but not of the world. So don't get influenced by the world. You are here to influence the world. So don't get influenced by it. Your purpose is to influence the world. But if you get influenced by the world, then it's a big problem. Don't get influenced by the world. So the first thing that he says is, do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Do not walk. Listen. Be careful whose counsel you give ear to. You will be surprising. If you look into your life, because this word has been released, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to show you avenues of your life where you have listened to the counsel of wicked people and you are thinking i don't know why my life is like this blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked do you know everything around you is speaking to you when jesus cursed the fig tree he replied to the fig tree that means the fig tree was talking to him Everything is speaking to you. Everything. The chair that you're sitting is speaking to you. Everything is speaking to you. Your circumstances are speaking to you. Your bank balance is speaking to you. So be careful whose advice you listen to. When God came to meet Adam in the garden, God said, where are you, Adam? And Adam said, I did not come out because I was afraid and I was naked. And the first thing God said, who told you that you're naked? He listened to someone saying that he was naked. Because he was always naked. But before that, he never knew that he was naked. Somebody told him he was naked. There are things that you shouldn't know. Say with me, there are things that I shouldn't know. God is protecting me not to know those things. I don't don't need to know How many people died of COVID? I don't need to know what is a new variant that is coming. There are certain things that you don't need to know. Don't unnecessarily educate yourself. Do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Be careful what you entertain. The news that you listen to, the people that you fellowship with, they're all speaking into your life. Be careful. It will, if, if you walk in the counsel of the wicked, it will choke the blessing. And you will not see the blessing, even though you are, you are blessed. So do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The next thing is, do not stand... In the path of the sinners. Do you know what it means? Do not stand in any sinful opportunity. Meaning, do not stand in the way of temptation. Temptation. Let me see how much temptation I can resist. Don't do that. You are not called to resist temptation. You are called to resist the devil. Flee from temptation. We do the opposite. We resist the temptation. Flee from the devil. But the Bible says, flee from temptation. Resist the devil. So do not stand in the way of temptation. If you see that you are standing in a path that leads to temptation, flee, run away. Don't entertain temptation. Proverbs 4 verse 14 says, Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it, do not go on it, turn away from it and pass on. Don't even entertain it, move on. If you you know that this is leading somewhere where it is not supposed to lead you into, run away from it. Don't try to see how much is your level of faith. Don't do all of that nonsense. If you know that it is leading towards temptation, just run away. Flee from it. If you know that opening the laptop at a particular time is going to cause something, switch it off, go to sleep. Don't be like the power of Jesus has strengthened me. Don't do all of that nonsense. You know yourself. You know. You have seen the patterns of your life. So do not do not stand in the way of temptation. The other thing he says is do not sit among scoffers. Do you know what a scoffer? Scoffers are those who will find a problem in every solution. You give them a solution, you give them, the vaccine has happened, come, and everybody is going to be saved. They will find a problem in everything. For every positive news out there, they'll find something negative in that. And the way they'll present it will look like wisdom. That's why Proverbs... I'll show you something. Proverbs 14 verse 6. A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain. A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain. But knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. Now how do you know who is a scoffer? Proverbs 15 verse 12. A scoffer does not like to be reproved. That's the sign of a scoffer. I don't want to believe that any scoffer is there. But if you don't like to be corrected... If you don't like to be reproved, that's a sign of being a scoffer. (laughs) Proverbs 13 verse 1, a wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. He does not listen to rebuke. But they will appear as wise people. Why? Because they can find problem in every solution. You tell them a good news. No, 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 no. I'll tell you a bad news in that. And they'll mock every person. They have no honor for anybody. Did you hear that person got promoted? I'll tell you why that person got promoted. Yeah, yeah. Did you hear that person got healed? No, that's not healing. You you don't call that healing. He he had medicines and got healed. They will find problem in every positive news. And they don't like correction. So what's the one thing that you learn from this verse? Do not get influenced by the world. You are here to influence the world. So don't get influenced by the world. Because if you get influenced by the world, you are choking that blessing. You need the blessing to overflow. See, have you seen a pipe which flows with water? If the pipe has already dust particles, the water will not be able to flow. You need to clear the pipe so that the water can flow. If you want the blessings to overflow in your life, you have to clear these things. Do not get influenced by the world. Do not get influenced by the world. And I'm telling you, you'll be surprised to know you who who you think you are godly and holy, I'm telling you, you'll be surprised to know when the Holy Spirit will open avenues where you have entertained the counsel of the wicked. So I pray that the Lord will open you show light in your life where you will recognize and you will say no. I say no to these wicked things. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Do you know what's the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You want a verse for that because you don't believe me? Proverbs 8 verse 13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride, arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. You want to grow in the fear of the Lord, grow in wisdom. You have to hate what God hates and love what he loves. So you hate sickness. Oh man, you hate sickness. Why do you hate sickness? Because God hates sickness. You love sick people but you hate the sickness. You hate the sin that you see. You hate it. No no compromise. Don't say grace. Yes, by grace you are saved. Absolutely. And God loves you. But you hate that sin. You have absolute oh, yuck feeling for that sin. You don't, don't try to massage it. You hate, hate whatever God hates. Hate evil things. Hate wicked things. Any wicked thing that you see around you should hate it. Not close your eyes on it. Hate it. Only if you hate what God hates can you love what God loves. There's no gray area. It's, It's either white or it's either black. Does that make sense? Don't get influenced by the world, but influence the world. Next verse, Psalms 1 verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is not in the counsel of the wicked. His delight is not in temptation. His delight is not sitting among scoffers. His delight is in the law of the Lord, is in God's word. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So his pleasure comes from God's word, not opinions of people. It doesn't come from the wisdom of people. It comes from God's word. And he meditates day and night. John 17, verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth, for your word is truth. What's the meaning of truth? Reality. So Jesus prays for us, set them apart in your reality, in your truth. For your word is reality, for your word is truth. So in God's word, there's a reality that's kept for you. God's reality is in God's word. So once you meditate on God's word, you are transported from your circumstances into the reality of God's word. That's why he says, but his delight, his pleasure, his pleasure is not in the opinion of people. His pleasure is also not in the good and bad circumstances. His pleasure comes from God's word. Your pleasure should be based on God's word. Your pleasure should be established on the word of God. See, when he says on the law he meditates day and night, I want you to understand, you know, meditation of day and night, it means that Throughout the day you are aware, you build your awareness of hearing God's voice. Through the spiritual discipline that you have, through prayer, through reading the word, you build your awareness of listening to God's voice. But it also means, day also means good days, night means bad days. In spite of you having a good day, in spite of you having a bad day, that does not take your focus away from the reality that is there in the word. It's sad that some of us only come to the Lord in prayer during storms. When we have storms, we get on our knees and we're like, we want to pray. Because during good times, you forget the Lord. So whether it's a good season of your life, whether it's a dark season of your life, meditate on God's word because there's a reality in God's word. There's a righteousness, peace, and joy in God's word that you can access into. That, in spite of your circumstances, you are not really drawn away to these things. You know, and there are some who will make such a mountain of their suffering because they, they, they take a lot of pride. Oh, you know, my childhood was really bad. You know, I came from a very poor village. You have no idea. We didn't have food to eat. Please try to understand what I'm trying to say. Sometimes when we make a mountain of our suffering, we forget to see the reality of God's word. Look at what Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. This is how you should see your present circumstances. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For this light, momentary affliction. Whatever you are facing today, say with me, it is light, it is momentary, it is affliction. Don't say, I'm going through a big thing. It is light, momentary affliction. You know, when Paul is writing this, he's writing to a bunch of Christians who are struggling, suffering from persecution by the Roman Empire. To them he's saying, for this light momentary affliction your life cannot be compared to what they were going through so don't tell me that your suffering that you're going through is big for this light momentary affliction and then what does he say? what does he say is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What he's trying to say is whatever you see in the physical life right now, whatever your circumstances are, however bad they are, they are temporary. They are temporary. So fix your eyes in God's word. Fix your eyes in the reality that comes from his word because his word will give you access to eternal glory. So don't stay in the suffering of the present circumstances, but access the eternal glory that comes from the word. That's why his delight has to be in God's word and he should meditate day and night, day and night. Day and night. Day and night. So the first one was the first verse was prevention, precaution. Do not get influenced by the world. Do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Don't stand in the way of temptation. Don't sit, um, do not have fellowship with people who are mockers, who treat God's word and who treat the kingdom trash. Be very careful not to get influenced by the world. Have the fear of the Lord and hate whatever is evil. Whatever the Bible says is evil, hate it, hate it with all your heart. And the next thing that he says is change your pleasure. Change your pleasure from the opinion of man. Change your pleasure from the opinion of man, from the affirmation of man. Change it to delight in God's word. Because there's a reality in God's word that in spite of what you're going through, you can access that reality. Now, if you do that, verse 3 happens. What is verse 3? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So if you do not get influenced by the world and if you change your delight from these wicked things into delighting in God's word, you will be planted. The word over here planted is... Is something like you will be translocated, your location will be transported, you will be transplanted. So if you are having sickness and if you don't listen to the voice of sickness and you change your posture into listening to what God's word says about that sickness, you will be transported from that sickness and you will be planted in the streams of water that gives life. From whatever circumstances that you're going to, if you change your delight and delight yourself in the word of the Lord, you will be transplanted. You'll be transplanted from your inferior reality and you'll be moved into a superior reality. What does the superior reality look like? He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Meaning, where you will be replanted, it is streams of water. That means... In spite of the drought that is happening in the land, it will not affect you. In spite of the famine that is happening in the land, it will not affect you. Why? Because you are planted in streams of living water. Streams of living water. And then he says, that yields its fruit in its season. Meaning, you will always be fruitful. In every season of your life, you will be fruitful. You'll be fruitful. It doesn't matter whether economic recession is happening or not. God will take care of you. You will be fruitful. Why? Because you're planted. You're planted. And then it says, and its leaf does not wither. You will have no dry leaf. In all that he does, he prospers. Whatever you do, you will prosper. You will be successful you will grow. I want you to see the TPT version. The TPT version says, He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. Say with me, never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. That can become your reality if you change your delight from wicked things into delighting in God into delighting in God's word establish yourself in the word of God establish yourself psalms 92 verse 12 the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon you know what's the what's the importance of a palm tree palm trees are fruitful they have fruits and they are very medicinal in nature and the cedar Seda trees are used for timber, for construction. So the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a sedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish. Say with me, flourish. They flourish in the courts of our God. And I love this verse. It says, they still bear fruit in old age. If you are planted by God, by the streams of water, you will bear fruit in old age. You will bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap. Ever full of sap. At all times they are full of sap and they are green. You are not yellow. You are green. You are green. Fruitful. Why? 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 Why does God do that? To declare that the Lord is upright. That He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in Him. To show the glory of the Lord it is God's agenda that you be always be fruitful that you give fruit even in your old age that you are full of green and you're full of sap and your leaves are green it brings glory to the lord in Deuteronomy by in Deuteronomy you see by the end of Moses' days you know it speaks a testimony about Moses that his eyes were not dim And his strength was not weak. He was strong. He could climb up the mountain. I'm telling you. Climbing up the mountain is not an easy task. But at 120 years old, he could climb up the mountain. He was not wearing specks. And he had strength. His bones were not feeble. Why? How is that possible? It is possible because he delighted himself in God's word. He delighted himself. He delighted himself. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know the word renew of your mind is the same word as transfiguration that happened to Jesus? The word can renew your mind. Renewal of the mind can transform you, can transfigure you. When Moses was with God, his appearance transfigured that people got scared because there was glory that was emanating from him. When Jesus got transfigured, his appearance changed. When Jesus got resurrected, people couldn't recognize him. Why? Transfiguration has happened. Through the Word, you can renew your mind and transfigure yourself. Transfigure. So we are not just talking about just a shift in the personality. We are talking about everything that is inside of you, internal, external. Everything changes. Your entire circumstances changes, and suddenly the Holy Spirit came and filled the room, filled the atmosphere. The word of God has the power to change your circumstances to change your atmosphere. Amen. But it begins by Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. If you can avoid that, you are you are making way you are clearing the path for that blessing to overflow in your life. But his delight is in the law of the law. Law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. You're bringing your awareness of God's word. And as you bring awareness of God's word, hating evil and wicked things, you are replanted. You're replanted. You are translocated from your inferior reality to a superior reality which only God has access to. Isn't it amazing that God wants you to live in His reality? In God's reality, there's no anxiety. In God's reality, there's no worry. In God's reality, there's no mental oppression. God's reality is full of peace, is full of joy. Your life is meant to be full of peace and full of joy at all times. Not just on Sundays, not just on certain times of the week, but all times. That is the reality that God has for you. But it begins when you change your delight from wickedness to delighting in God's word. Delighting in God's word. I just want to declare this over your life. Isaiah 26 verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Because your mind stays on God's word, God keeps you in perfect peace, not just peace. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. Perfect peace is your portion. Perfect peace is your portion. Come on, receive it. Perfect peace is your portion. Irrespective of what's happening in the world, perfect peace is your portion. He will keep you in perfect peace. It is God's responsibility to keep you in perfect peace. Romans 15 verse 13 May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Want you to understand something. This Holy Spirit that you have received is the person of Jesus. And this Holy Spirit that you've received is not just for you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit that is there. But the Holy Spirit wants to completely, completely transform your life. Completely. So much that when you look back, you'll not be able to recognize yourself. Completely the Holy Spirit can transform your life. Completely. Do you understand completely? Completely. We are called to live in hope at all times. It says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you abound in hope. Hopelessness is not your portion. The power of the Holy Spirit can fill your life so much that you're living in hope at all times. Living in hope at all times. Not getting hopeless because something has happened. You're living in hope at all times. You're abounding in hope at all times. Abounding, abounding in hope. Irrespective of what may come your way. Irrespective you see your bank balance going low and you have rent to pay tomorrow. You're abounding in hope. You're abounding in hope. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this by your own strength. You cannot do this by your own might to be hopeful. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to abound in hope. Power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I just want to say joy and peace is your portion. Joy and peace is your portion. No reality, no reality that steals your joy and peace is worth it. No reality. No circumstances, no promotion, no relationship that steals the joy and peace that you have in the Lord is worth it. He can fill you with all joy and all peace so that you are bound in hope.